Okay, I am Chris Avena with American Outdoor News. We had taken a little bit of a sabbatical from uh, the podcast, but we are back. And we're here with my friend Harry Wood from Harry Wood Outfitting. And today we're going to be talking about, um, so you want to be a hunting guide. <laughs> Harry, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's funny. I mean, we know each other all these years. This is the first time we're on a podcast together. Sure. Yes, sir. So you've you've had your outfitting for 30 plus years? Yeah, I started actually outfitting for myself in 1988. So it's been right at 35 years now. Wow. And it's all elk, muley, whitetail. Yes, elk, mule deer, and we do a few bear hunts and uh, a little bit of whitetail. Not much whitetail, more more based around mule deer. Okay, okay. And uh, I would imagine in, in all of that time, you must come across everything. All types of hunters, yep. all types of uh, skill sets, and uh, a whole litany of liars. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, especially that last one. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yes, but I've been great hunters, Chris. Been around a lot of good folks. You know, I, you know, I've been guiding as well the past few years, and what I found to be the strangest thing is, if you're preparing to go on a hunt, you're paying for a hunt, you're going out with a guide or semi-guided, you would think that. Your weapons are in the condition that they should be, and your skill set, as far as your shooting, should be right on point, right? Absolutely, yeah. One how of the biggest well, failures I see my hunters. <laughs> how <laughs> often is that not the case? <laughs> right. Yeah, this year especially, I, I think I found that uh, uh, we had more people miss deer with a bow, muzzleloader, a rifle, then actually take down deer. Right. Yeah, I had some of the same scenarios this year. Guys had great equipment, but they weren't real familiar with it. Yeah, it's, you know, like going to battle with an untested uh, firearm. Sure. Now, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you in, I mean, 35 years? You must have seen all kinds of things. Oh, I have. Oh, wow. Just trying to think of the craziest thing. Uh, gee, that's a tough one. I've done a lot of crazy things. Um, gee, I don't I don't know, Chris. I guess actually probably the craziest thing would have been getting a, getting a hunter a 363-inch bull, and we walk up on it, and he asks you if, if that's a nice one. I guess that was one of the hmm. crazier things. Yeah, that's absolutely a nice, a nice one. <laughs> Now let, let's take a little bit of a step back. How do you, uh, how do you prepare a hunter uh, when you know they're coming to, um, you know, on a hunt with you? They book a hunt. Uh, you have to give them a, a, a list of things that you expect. Sure, and I do. I send them a, a detailed list about what they should bring and and how to prep as far as, uh, you know, the folks from back east aren't very used to very long range shooting and out where I'm at in out west, we do a lot of long shooting, you know, 300 yards is 
pretty standard, can be pretty standard in my country. So I get them to, you know, do some more long range shooting and get a little more familiar with uh, the rifle at longer ranges and that sort of thing. Shooting off tripod is another thing that I get them to also do and, mm-hmm. and practice in sitting different positions and that sort of thing. That's funny you mentioned that because me being in New York, we don't get those shots. Um, 50, 75, 100 yards is is a good shot for us here. We don't, we just don't have the opportunity for long distance hunting. And, you know, when I went to Africa, a guy, the uh, PH lined me up on a 400 yard shot. And I looked at him and looked, he had three heads. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> we don't do that where I'm from. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, and I get a lot of that. Now you're in what, New Mexico? Yes, sir. Out in southeastern New Mexico. Yes, sir. Now, you must have a, a, a pretty wide range of weather that you're hunting in. Uh, we do. Yeah, it's 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 normally in that part of the country. It's usually pretty mild. Uh, I have a hunt in January that we get in, run into some snow and that sort of thing. But for the most part, our countries uh, don't have much snow and uh, don't have any kind of migration of the animals or anything. They're always there. So we don't have to rely on weather doesn't affect really affect our hunts other than sometimes it can get a little warm uh when we're elk hunting it can get a little warm and that kind of slows things down but as far as um worrying about migration or are the animals going to be here because of the weather and that sort of thing that's that's never an issue what about the elevation people train for the elevation or yeah i hunt from around Oh, my ranch that I do my mule deer hunting on is around 6,300 feet. And then we hunt up to our elk hunting gets up to about oh, 8,800 is about as high as you can get there where in the country I'm at. But for the most part, it's around 6,000 to 8,000 foot for our elk hunting. And our deer, like I say, is always around 6,000 foot range. What's an average elk for you? Uh, an average elk there is probably a uh, decent average elk would be around 280 up to 300 you know there's we, we're in we have a great elk herd there it's probably some of the best elk hunting in the in, in the country you've had a, a, a quite a, a celebrity list that has hunted with you yeah i've had a few guys would be called celebrities yeah hunted with me i suppose Probably, uh, I guess the best known one would be Ted Nugent. He's hunted with me a couple of times. Sure. Had a few sure. ball play, that sort of thing. Now, um, have you ever had any, have you ever had to kick anybody out of camp? Um, actually, I have. Yeah. Yeah, I have. And, uh, well, no. Actually, I'm, I'm take that back, Chris. I've never, never actually kicked anybody out of camp, but I have a few guys that couldn't come back. And, and what would be a reason that they're not invited back? Well, about the only real rules that I have that would keep somebody from coming back is, is uh, if a hunter makes uh, one of the worst things you can do in my camp is make fun of another man's deer or elk by, mm-hmm. you know, downgrading it. Something like, why did you shoot that? Um, yep. Um, just, downplaying somebody's trophy my license my discretion i wanted to fill my right, freezer exactly. that's why i shot it plain and simple 
that's right. One of my things that I go on is if you like them, I like them. If, you know, I'm I'm not going to pull you off something. If you like it and that's something that suits you, I'm going to let you take it. Have you ever had anybody that was uh, hmm, bipolar or just a little off? Oh, sure. Sure. Yep. Yep. I have all about themselves, guys that, you know, that just couldn't do anything but talk about themselves and just, you know, just so full of themselves that you just get tired of it after a day or so, you know. <laughs> but for the most part, hunters are great. And at 35 years, you know. So what can what can somebody expect when they come into your camp? Uh, just a simple kind of a camp. I don't have a big lodge or anything. I never I don't even say I have a lodge. I have a small cabin out there. Um, they can expect to be hunted real hard. I hunt I hunt my hunt hunters very hard. We we're up early and come in late. Not much of a nightlife at my camp because my hunters are usually pretty wore out when they get in. We feed you real well. You're well taken care of in, in that respect and clean. Our camps are clean, dry and warm. And But like I say, you're not going to be staying in a five-star lodge for sure. It's that. But I, but my uh, my price mark doesn't reflect that either. I'm, you know, you're not, uh, I try to, I, I cater more to working type guys, uh, Chris. So when somebody comes there, they're there to hunt. They're, you're you're going to work yeah. them. You're going to work them good. And yeah. They're not uh, going to be sitting in a stand waiting for something to walk by. They're they're working for it. You betcha. That's right. In fact, we do very little stand hunting. Uh, I have a hunt in January where it's archery only, and uh, we do a little bit of stand hunting on the and the uh, afternoons on the archery hunt. But it's even primarily spot and stock type hunting. But sometimes in the afternoons, I'll set my hunters over a water source or something when the rut's going on. But pretty much it's uh, what I like. It's it's Western type hunting, which is what I like anyhow, because we it's more walking and prowling around in four wheel drives and lots, lots and lots of glassing and and that sort of thing. I'm going to have to connect you with my friends at Bow Spider, because if you're running and gunning with a bow, uh, thing can it, it hooks right to your hip and it's easily accessible. Your hands are free when they need to be, and uh, you've got your bow in your hand as quickly as, uh, you know, uh, faster than pulling it out of your backpack, that's for sure. Sure, yeah. Now, um, your archery season, does that include um, does that include crossbow? It doesn't. No, we're not allowed to use crossbows unless you have, uh, unless you're what they consider uh, mobily impaired, then you can you can use a crossbow and it's very limited in New Mexico on, on uses of crossbows. I wish they were legal really because I could, uh, my hunter base would increase a bunch. Yeah. Here um, it's um, the last two weeks of bow season. You could use a crossbow. Okay. Which, you know, it's, it's a bow. I don't see any reason That's why there should be such an issue with it. I don't. I don't either, Chris. I don't have an issue with it. I wish New Mexico would go ahead and and legalize it where you could use crossbows. You but know, they're kind of they're kind of taking a step back. Like this this year, they they uh, the state made them take the uh, scopes off the muzzle loaders. You know, we used to be able to use a scoped muzzle loader to hunt with, and now 
the state restricted that this year, this was the first year that they had muzzleloader season with no scopes and i don't know that that was a great idea what's the rationale behind that well they said that the that the success rate was just too high on the muzzleloading hunting and with the scopes but myself i feel like the wound rate's going to go up now just just because of what we're talking about by not being able to use your scopes coyotes are going to be eating well Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you're you're primarily in uh an elk camp and the the uh muleys are um just extra. Well, actually it's the other way around, Chris. The, the mule deer has been the backbone of my business all these years simply because um I could I could book you today on a mule deer hunt and you could come out and purchase your license. Uh the elk the elk hunting is on a drawing, so they have to draw the license, and that's a pretty restricted draw. Hmm. It's a great hunt. They're able to draw the tag, but getting the tag can be kind of tough. Now, everyone thinks it's so glamorous being a, an outfitter. It's easy. You, you're just hunting. What actually <laughs> goes into being an outfitter? Oh, gee whiz. So much. <laughs> so, so much. I was I was blessed. I had a great father. In fact, my dad was the best hunter I've ever been. I've been in the woods with lots of great hunters. Nobody was equal to my dad. And as a kid, I was fortunate enough that my dad took me lots of places. I hunted in Maine several times, Idaho, Canada, just a lot of I was I was really blessed with a great father who who took me. And I know I was kind of a pain in the butt to drag around, but he 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 took me. So uh, how do you go about becoming an outfitter? Actually, I, I, I got to be an outfitter by, I was on a guided hunt out in Colorado, in Western Colorado. I was on a bear and an elk hunt and the outfitters seen that I was kind of hunt savvy. And he just asked me if I would want to come out and help him the next year. And I said, boy, you know, that's, that's something I always thought about doing. And so I went out and worked for him for a couple of years and did really well. And, and uh, then went off on my own. Well, that was in Colorado. And then I started outfitting down in New Mexico. Hmm. Well, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than just having a passion for hunting. Uh, you, oh, absolutely. You got to be uh, politically correct as well these days. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially in, in New Mexico. Gee whiz. Uh, I'm not I'm not real big on there political stance out there but we won't how, get into that <laughs> how is your governor that uh wants to take away your second oh. amendment right oh terrible terrible chris yeah <laughs> yeah i wrote a nice article about her in our last issue it was uh right right scathing. she needs all the, she needs all the publicity she can get <laughs> and she's not giving up she's not giving no, up she's not she's no, doubling she's down not, uh, chris yeah <laughs> yeah she sure is yeah, well, I, I love I love to hunt New Mexico, but there's lots of things in that state that I'm not just too proud of. Now you've pretty much hunted a lot of the U.S. Where's your favorite place to hunt? Actually, New Mexico. New hmm. Mexico has been the place. It's so so diversified. We have a lot of different animals there, and 
the hunting is the hunting is really great there. It's very game rich. You know, that's uh, one state I haven't been to yet, and it's uh, on my bucket list. So uh, if I'm going to go, I might as well shoot something while I'm there. That's right. Well, you're hooked up with a guy now that's – don't wait too long. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in this business, but i got another year or so anyhow. <laughs> Good Lord's willing, and I'm able to climb the mountains. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, well, my knees aren't as uh, young as they used to be. <laughs> oh, mine either. <laughs> that's why they make knee braces <laughs> yeah yeah that's a fact <laughs> yes sir that's uh i see a um mountain lion over your head over there and a big one this that's one my dad killed in idaho boone and crockett that's a nice one boy he is a big one yes sir very big you do any cat hunts I, I actually don't, uh, Chris. I, I used to have some dogs back when I first got into the outfitting business, but I, you know, my home is in Texas, so I'm not out there enough to keep my dogs tuned up. So I work with an outfitter that has a great pack of hounds and a, and he's a younger guy. And if uh, somebody decides to want, they wanted to come on a mountain lion hunt, I usually send them his way. Okay. Well, um, you know, there's there's a lot of personalities that you must deal with uh, every day when, you know, you have different groups come in. Um, I'm sure you've had some clashes, um, customers clashing with each other or just uh, don't see eye to eye with a customer. Sure, sure. Yeah. But it's something we work through and, and I don't I don't let things get me down too much. I just kind of blow it off and. One of the main things I like is, um, well, one of the first things I try to get across to my hunters is don't try to guide the guide. You know, mm -hmm. you, you hired a guy to guide you, so let me guide you. Please, please let me guide you. I, um, I used to listen to suggestions from hunters and that sort of thing, and, and I still will. I don't blow everything off that a hunter says, but I have my plan, and I try to stick to my plan rather than go your way that's kind of what i feel like you hired me for it's funny how they all try to guide the guide they they know better but they're paying you to to go on a hunt yes yes sir yeah and some guys though that's some guys when i tell them that boy that's that's a good thing to tell them and they they stick to that and in fact the last guy that i just got through guiding was that way uh he missed a re i got him on a really big mule deer on his uh fourth day of his hunt and he missed it three times off of the off a tripod just a good solid shots good solid rest and everything but but um he, he what he really liked about me was that i didn't get angry i don't i don't get angry people miss and stuff all the time and i just keep on trudging just like it's you know um i i told him it's kind of like a construction worker you just about got the house built and now we have one more nail to drive in. And now we've now that you've missed that deer, now we're back to stage one again. We're all starting over again. But that's just part of guiding. Hey, everybody misses. Yeah. Don't Absolutely. matter how much experience you have, you're gonna miss. It happens. That's that's right. I'm a great shot and I've missed lots of times and 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 still do. But um all right. So uh 
that's uh and do you have anything else that you'd like to cover about your operation uh you know the only thing that i'd like to say about my operation is that uh just we just hunt you really hard i mean you got to be ready to go because we're uh of course i i hunt at your pace you know and i can only take hunters where they're able to go so we hunt it you know i'm, I'm not I don't trudge up the mountain expecting you to be right on my tail. You know, we hunt at your pace. And uh, I guess one of the best compliments I get from hunters is that uh, they see that I have a conscience. Um, I take their hunt uh, like it's my hunt. Mm -hmm. I base hunt. You know, I, I, I put myself in your spot. You know, I... Um had an unexpected hunt come up some time ago and you know i jumped at the opportunity i went but i was in the worst shape of my life and uh trudging up and down these hills you know i wasn't in the best shape for it so sure. uh, when i came home i said that's never gonna happen again <laughs> so right. i got back to the gym now i know a hunt comes up I know him, you know, I might not be in top shape, but I'm in reasonable shape where I can sure. hear him. And uh, a lot of hunters don't, they, they neglect that when they're going on a hunt, especially going out to Colorado uh, uh, or New Mexico where you are, where you're in a hunting camp. You're, you're, you're going to run and gun, you're going to climb up those mountains and you're, you're going to work for your trophy. Um I'm sure that's an issue uh, more often than not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. It sure is. Uh, yeah, it's one of the biggest issues is the guys just aren't ready for what it takes to to do their part. Well, there's <clears> only <throat> so much you can do as an outfitter, correct? That's right. That's exactly right. Yep. Yep. There's only so many variables we can control. You know, weather's one of them that's something we can't control um hunter's ability um just several things that you have to obstacles you got to get over and and keep going what about the moon phase how does the moon phase uh affect your hunts uh i like to think it does affect them i like i like it to be the dark of the moon if i can now when i'm elk hunting when i'm elk hunting i i i kind of like a full moon uh and and what I'll do on a full moon when the elk are bugling is I'll get up, I'll get my hunter and we'll go in, we'll go in on an elk in dark and, and we'll be sitting on them waiting while they're, while they're down elk, elk, um, they like to come out of the higher country at night and come down into the bottoms and that sort of thing and kind of, um, uh, browse around together and get around each other and stuff. And then in, at daylight, they're kind of pushing their way back to the to the tops so when they're bugling i'll i'll go in in the night and set and just set on a bunch of them so when it breaks light we're we're right there on top of them so you'll circle up above them so when they're coming back up yes sir yes or get right in there just right there with them and as soon as it gets light um we, sh we shoot them right there in the bottoms lots of times before they because after after it breaks light and the elk are starting back to their bedding area you're kind of you're kind of chasing them rather than being right there where they are when it breaks light. It can be such so easy if you're if you're in the right spot at daylight. What is a what is an elk hunt cost with you? 
Or, My elk hunt, guided elk hunt is 4,500, and that's fully guided, uh, two-on-one, um, includes everything, your food, lodging, carry your animal, the whole package. What about butchering? And my, beg your pardon? Butchering. Butchering, yes. I, I have skin and cape, quarter them for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's all included as well. So uh, if I flew out there, I can take that corded animal in a big cooler and bring it back on the plane, or do I got to drive it back, ship it back, or do I got to do? Yeah. We, you can do that. I've had, I've had guys bring their bring ice, you know, bring their clothes in a nice in a big ice chest, and then uh, we'll get their meat packed up for them, and they take their meat back with them, and we'll mail mail their mail their clothes back home if they're on a plane. Hmm. And then I also work with a processor out there that it's able to expedite your stuff and get it done in in a day or so. It's a little extra cost, but he can get it done overnight. And just. Put it in a cooler, bring it on the plane. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. I've done that in Texas, but, you know, an elk's a much bigger animal, and I know there's a weight, oh, sure. weight limit. You're going to pay more, but yes. And, and I try to, you know, a lot of my hunters drive out, and and that makes it easier for them as well because then they're, you know, they're not tied down to a schedule as far as when they're going to have to leave and all that sort of thing. But, but yes, if they fly, we, we take care of everything for them. Other than airport pickup, I don't pick up hunters at the airport. So they got an Uber to I you? Have, they rent a car. They usually rent a car and come up to the ranch there. There's um, no there's no I've Uber? Had, I, I, yeah, it's, I'm too far for Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could get an Uber. I've, most, my hunters fly into El Paso, Texas. That's the, the closest large airport. And how far of a drive is it from El Paso? I'm about two. I'm about two and a half hours from El Paso. Well, that's not bad. No, it's not. I don't like going to El Paso, so that's why I don't come pick the hunters out there. <laughs> All right. Well, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on my website, HarryWoodGuides.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Harry Wood Guide and Outfitter. Um, and that's about the two places you best you best can find me. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today. And, um, you know, maybe I'll make my way out to New Mexico one of these days and uh, get out there hunting with you before you retire. I'd sure like to see you, Chris. You're welcome anytime. All right, buddy. I, uh, I will speak to you soon. You have a nice holiday. Thank you. You too, sir.